Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to FX Moment, which is part of our FIC Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I am the Chief G10 FX Strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I'm joined by Mark Anderson, who is the Global Head of Asset Allocations at UBS Wealth Management. Today we talk macro uh, and currency prospects for 2024. Um, and, and while the more negative dollar narrative that we identified last year uh, remains very much in place via uh, a more dovish Fed outlooks, soft landing scenario and a risk on market context, we've had already a big move, you know, in Q4. Uh, and early this year, you kind of feel and you kind of worry that you could be at the mercy of, of a rebound. Uh, very much in line with what we experienced in 2023. Uh, and, and we are all aware that, you know, there's no such thing as a one-way view. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. And I suspect, I suspect the first question I have for you is to exactly that. To what extent did the, the sell-off that we saw last year in the DXY, so I think it's over 5% in Q4, uh, and very much uh, over November to December. To what extent does it affect your outlook for this year? Um, so in, in many ways, the move we have seen dollar going weaker fitted well with uh, the broad outline we had when we published our year ahead back in mid-November where we were calling for euro dollar at 112. So sort of a weakening of of your dollar driven by uh, a couple of fundamental factors. So the first and foremost, uh, a degree of valuation considerations. So whenever we do purchase and power parity and the like, we think that a fair value on your dollar probably leans closer to 125, uh, 130. But I think what, what has prevented it from moving back towards that, that level of fair value has certainly been very, very uh, attractive uh, rate differentials in favor of, of of US dollar, some degree of geopolitical and economic uncertainties, um, a, a lot of which was in favor of dollar. So we had sort of positions that also were, were indicating that the people were favoring the dollar. And I think at the moment, it feels like a lot of opportunities have been sort of taken to try to sell the dollar. So a lot of those long positions have been squared. We haven't seen as many economic surprises playing positively in favor of, of the US dollar. So, uh, and as we just uh, chatted about before, Audrey, it feels like also now with CPI coming in a bit above expectations, uh, payrolls coming in a bit above expectations, it sort of fails to push dollar a, a lot stronger. But sort of if, if we're thinking about our, our forecast and again, thinking about it in euro dollar terms we have 110 mid of the year so we probably have a tendency to think that the dollar would sort of hold up at current levels maybe strengthen a little bit before weakening towards our 112 uh, target by by the end of the year yeah i think you you're absolutely right on the price action that we've had in the past couple of weeks in a way that uh, it would appear that the barrier is high for uh, for the dollar uh, to rebound strongly, 
Uh, we've seen a couple of rebounds, you know, a couple of pullbacks on euro dollar, but it's it tends to be quite short lived. And, you know, by the end of the, the trading day after the data, it's kind of going back up again. But at the same time, it hasn't really pushed above 110, which tells me that, you know, I think the market is probably kind of trying to figure out and trying to wait for a bullish trigger. So kind of almost ignoring the the, the negative triggers potentially on euro dollar downside, but at the same time waiting for a bullish trigger. And uh, I kind of feel that Europe is not looking in great shape in terms of news flow at the moment. So that may have to come from from the US in terms of more weakness in the data or potentially a more dovish language from the Fed. Uh, so I suspect it's all a, a bit of a wait and see game from here. So in terms of outlook for this year, I, I, you know, there's a kind of question that I, I've asked myself many times um, and I'd like to have your view on it. And that relates to, you know, we know that it's not going to be a one-way view for, for, for the outlook this year. But if you believe in a weaker dollar overall, which you seem to do like, like we do, which currency uh, or which currencies would you pick to hold against the dollar throughout throughout the year. So from now into year end, which which currency would be your favorite in, in G10? Let's stick to G10. So in G10, I would probably highlight the Australian dollar and the Japanese yen and for probably two different reasons. So first and foremost, when we we when we try to evaluate attractiveness, it's always nice to have this mix between uh, an attractively valued currency with something that could become uh, a bit of a catalyst. And if we start on the Aussie dollar, I think what what is interesting here is that we have uh, on one hand side uh, an attractive yield level, but also a Reserve Bank of Australia, an RBA that looks less likely to quite as aggressive as other central banks uh, might do for, for a number of reasons. So you have um, therefore sort of a carry argument that's likely to stay uh, with us, uh, sort of yield differentials that become uh, more attractive vis-a-vis -vis, uh, other currencies and again, sort of an attractive valued uh, currency from a longer term perspective. So Australian dollar, I think is, is one I would highlight. The yen has a bit of a, a different connotation around it. So again, it's 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 a currency where we expect yield differentials to uh, move uh, more in favor of of the yen. Again, we've obviously had very much sort of a, a negative carry against us on the yen, which has driven us you know close to these levels today. We're sitting around one one forty six, but we were around at one one fifty level for for a while. And I do think that if the Fed were to not only start a cutting cycle, but also uh, in the event they would have to cut more, I think we could see quite a lot more upside on on the on the yen. So we have one forty as a forecast for end of the year. So sort of making up for a little bit more of the um, of of the carry differential. But I think uh, if we were to see sort of a more negative economic scenario playing out, I think there could be quite a bit more upside to to the yen. So the Australian dollar and the Japanese yen would be the two ones I would I would like to highlight. Uh, interesting one. Uh, on the Aussie dollar, uh, totally agree with you. I think positioning as well um, and valuation and, and also the fact that, you know, we kind of it almost feel that the market has kind of lost 
uh, hope for better headlines from China, but and that means that risk reward at this point now maybe is the time where you could see some kind of improvement. Um, and given the underwhelming performance that we've had on the Aussie dollar last year, um, there's probably more of a case this year for for a stronger performance uh, on the Aussie, especially also in terms of in the commodity space, if you compare it, for instance, to the Canadian dollar, which is also a dollar proxy. So um, that seems to work well as well. Uh, on the on the yen, I know this is a view that's also kind of, you know, we, we all hope it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and uh, and certainly, I, you know, I think the, the only issue I have with dollar yen, to be honest, is that um, we are totally relying on the Fed for the time being. So, and, and that's fine because we all agree that, you know, the Fed will cut interest rates. And so the, the yield differential, which is the main driver, will become uh, less supportive than it has been for dollar yen. But I, I just kind of feel that it's, it may not be an easy trade this year. <laughs> again, again, this year, I would say, so we had... We had a bit of mixed fortunes on this one as well. We we attempted for a few months of last year to have a a short dollar dollar yen positioning, hoping that finally we were to see uh, the, the Bank of Japan uh, coming in and being a bit supportive. But it's just such an expensive expensive negative carry we're running on that yen. So so we we did it very short term, simply closed it again. But if if you were to tell me if I could sort of you know get into that yen, close my eyes and see where where we are a year from now, I think I would. I would still, I would still take it, but 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 it has to be timed extremely, extremely well. So let's see what we get out of uh, Japan and from the central bank there in particular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's a patient's view, and and probably option strategies is probably better than just the spot on this one because you can be, we can be right in the end, but how we get there, there's still I think an element of, of challenge. The the, the only other currency currency I would mention, I don't know what's your take on that, but I, I like to mention it because sterling I think has regained appeal this year. Uh, potentially, I think the news flow is still, we, we're still talking about some trend growth for the UK economy, but we expect the economy, economic, uh, the, the, the data to show improvement throughout the year. Um, and the positioning story is very compelling on sterling. The market is still underweight sterling. So I kind of feel that even if you compare it to the euro, it may not take so much good news to come out of the UK for for more of a rebound on, on sterling. So, you know, it's been a while, uh, but I, I, I'm more confident on sterling now than I have been in, in quite a while. And I also feel that, you know, the politics and the elections should be no game changer uh, for the pound, which may sound a little bit surprising, but I think in terms of fiscal intentions and given, you know, the kind of concern and awareness I, I said that there is on the political front about, you know, fiscal credibility, I, I don't think any any party would take any risk on that front. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more bullish on, on sterling on, on, for, for this year, and uh, that could be quite an interesting one. Um, but, Mark, let's move on to a currency that uh, I, I find it very fascinating, and that, that's the Swiss franc. I mean, last year, the Swiss franc has been doing really well. Uh, I remember we had a podcast about a year ago and we, we were talking about 86 on, on dollar suite. So uh, that was a very good call from, from your side. Um, you know, it hasn't been a one-way view, but, uh, you know, one year on, it's we, we're below that level. 
um, it kind of feels that it's moved a lot recently, you know, especially on Euro-Swiss. And also when you compare the current macro context on in Switzerland now versus where we were a year ago, i.e. we're now in the disinflationary context, the economy is bound to weaken. Uh, I, I know there's been more resilience than expected, but I kind of feel to me, you know, it kind of feels now, you know, how long before the SNB start to express concern about, you know, how much more currency strength we want to see from here. Um, so what, what's your view for, for the Swiss against the euro and against, against the dollar? Uh, this one has certainly been an interesting one and, and not the least sitting here in, in, in Zurich and not, not far away from the <clears throat> S&B on, on, on top of it. And, and yes, we have certainly um, uh, been, I would say, we have not been far off our, our forecast, but still I would say we've been somewhat surprised to see the extent to which uh, Swiss franc was, was rallying uh, here towards uh, the, the, the end of the year and really sort of uh, especially from around that uh, October period when when yield differentials were starting to 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 come down, uh, how much that that really uh, supported uh, the, the Swiss? That that was really uh, somewhat surprising. I think when we when we think about it from from an S and B angle, I think they have been you know initially supportive of of a stronger uh, currency to uh, to help alleviate some of the inflationary. Uh, precious here, so I think they have sort of been been welcoming and and supportive of of that through a good part of of last year. I think we've now started to uh, reach levels both on the on the currencies, but also sort of with inflation broadly speaking coming down in line with what 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 the SMB has been looking for. So I think we are now getting closer to a place where uh, we will probably uh, or we could see the SMB start leaning a little bit in the other direction if we were to see. More appreciation that they probably would start to to push a little bit uh, against it. So, in in our view, I think we have seen uh, most of of that kind of uh, move that that we were expecting. So, when we look look at something like dollar Swiss, we have eighty seven at the end of 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 the year, and sort of a similar on your Swiss franc where uh, we have ninety seven. So, so in our base case, we expect a bit of of Swiss franc weakness after. Uh, a lot of strength here over the last uh, couple of months. Um, just one one final word before we we, we conclude the, the podcast. Uh, we touched on it already, but in terms of commodity currencies, um, I which which commodity currency do you expect um, to to outperform this year? So we already spoke a bit about the the Aussies. So if I were to highlight something, Australian dollar would certainly be be, be in that mix when when we talk about favorite uh, commodity currencies. So that's that's one. Uh, another one where uh, I guess we have seen some strength uh, as as of late, but we think there could be a bit more potential. Could be something like Euronoc, and part of that story is both again one where we just find it's a reasonably attractive valued uh, currency uh, and on top of it we, we tend to think that oil prices will move uh, a bit higher so so the Norwegian krona is something where we have uh, 1060 at the end of the year so that would probably be the other one to highlight we have a marginal appreciation uh, on cat where we uh, have 132 uh, forecast at the end of the year 
Okay, fantastic. Uh, Noki definitely one to look at, uh, especially given the valuation. I, I think at some point last year, our model was showing the Noki, which was over 50% undervalued uh, versus the dollar. So if risk risk appetite is here with us, uh, the, the, the Noki should, should do well. Um, beyond the fact that, you know, domestically, the, the context is more supportive. Uh, so this concludes our FX Moment podcast. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing your, your view, your views and your insights. Uh, should you have any question on what we discussed today, please reach out on the terminal. I hope you found the podcast interesting. And until next time, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>